everyone. Welcome to CSID's Firewall Chats podcast. I'm your host, Cody Gredler with CSID, and joining me is my co-host and colleague, Morgan Gravy. Hi, everyone. This podcast is brought to you by CSID. If you or someone you know has identity theft protection or has been a victim of a breach and received similar services, there's a good chance we helped power that product. CSID is a leading provider of global identity protection and fraud detection technologies for businesses, their employees, and consumers. For those of you that have listened in before, welcome back. And for those of you who are new to the podcast, thanks for joining us. We are hosting these podcasts as an effort to teach consumers and businesses more about the cybersecurity issues that are putting our identities at risk. We've already had a handful of discussions around how you can protect your online identity. If you'd like to listen to any of those past podcasts, you can download them on iTunes or visit our SoundCloud page at csid.com slash firewallchats. And as always, feel free to get in touch with us on Facebook or Twitter at Firewall Chats. So this episode, we're turning to a topic that affects just about everyone, taxes. We're speaking with Neil O'Farrell, cybersecurity specialist at the Identity Theft Council, about some easy actions everyone can take to protect their identities and how to remedy tax ID theft if they fall victim to an attack. Neil, thanks for joining us. Hi, guys. Thanks for inviting me. Great to be here. So for starters, can you tell us a little bit about your background and what you currently do at Identity Theft Council? Sure. Uh, I started in security, gosh, nearly 35 years ago. Uh, back then, it was just called computer security. So it's, uh, I mean, that, that means it was before the internet, before email, before uh, even terms like identity theft had, had been coined. So it's really given me an interesting perspective on how hacking and fraud and identity theft have evolved over the last few decades, and more important, how they've kind of collided and crossed over each other to get to where we are today. The Identity Theft Council, we started about six years ago. I'd been doing a lot of training with law enforcement to try and get them more involved in the fight against identity theft, and uh, it really all started with one cop asking me if I would counsel their victims uh, pro bono. This was a small police agency in a small city, and even they were looking at, if I can recall, two to 300 cases of identity theft every month. So that was kind of typical of what law enforcement was facing back then and, and is today, and that's how we got started. One victim, one case led to 10, led to 100, and since then we've done thousands. Thanks, Neil. We're excited to have you today. Um, to jump right in, there are two things that are certain in life, death and taxes, not to sound morbid. But another thing on the rise is fraud. In fact, tax refund fraud is expected to reach $21 billion this year, according to the IRS. Neil, what are some of the best ways to avoid tax refund fraud? I think the golden rule for this particular type of fraud is get there first. Um, it's a race between you and identity thief. If you file as early as possible, which means that you really should have filed already, but file your taxes as early as possible, get them ready as early as possible, because if you get there first, you shut out the thief. If the thief gets there first, they don't just shut you out, but they can force you to wait for a year or more before you can actually file your taxes. And if you're expecting a refund, you're going to wait that length of time to get the refund. So file as early as you can. Be the first to cross that line, and that's the easiest way to, to defeat a thief. So then what are some of the common ways fraudsters can tap into a person's tax information? Well, there's the dreaded data breach. I mean, the data breach is the fuel of most identity theft and most tax refund fraud. If you think about it, in 2014, about a 1,000 data breaches just in the U.S. exposed about three-quarters of a billion personal records. 
and the number one motivation was identity theft. Last year, in March alone, just two data breaches exposed the social security numbers of one in every two adults in America. So the main fuel for identity theft, and especially tax-related identity theft, is the now three data breaches that we're seeing every day. As a consumer, there's very little you can do about preventing a data breach. The information is out of your hands. It's in someone else's hands. The only thing that you can do in that case is just restrict the amount of information that you share with these organizations. If you don't need the service, if you don't need that freebie, if you don't need to, you know, put your name down for that lottery, that coupon, don't give away your personal information. Okay, let's say you've recently found out you're a victim of tax refund fraud. What are the first steps you should take? Number one rule is don't panic. Victims of any kind of identity theft, but particularly anything to do with a government agency and especially the IRS, they, they panic. They think it's going to mess up their taxes, it's going to mess up their returns, it'll get them in trouble. And most of all, they're going to have to struggle to prove that it wasn't them, that they didn't file. That's simply not the case. Most of the laws are on the side of the consumer. So you're not going to be held liable if it wasn't you, and you're not going to have to prove that it wasn't you. So the first thing you've got to do is contact the IRS, go to their website. They have a a section devoted to identity theft protection and to fraud resolution. File a complaint. It's a lengthy process. There's a lot of paperwork. But as soon as you get the complaint on file, you're certainly better protected. The problem isn't solved, but you're certainly putting the IRS on notice that you've been a victim and to start the process of rejecting the fraudulent return and allowing you to file your legitimate return and get your tax refund. The next thing I think you've got to do is check your credit reports because if the thieves have filed a tax return in your name, it means they have your social security number, which means if they haven't already tried to take out credit using that information, they're going to pretty soon. So hurry on over to your credit reports, check all three, Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion, and then consider either placing a fraud alert using a monitoring service or simply freezing Uh, your credit reports until you're certain that you're in the clear. That's really good advice. Say you are a victim of tax ID theft. How long does it take to actually restore your identity? Well, a few years ago when we first started to see this spike, we were seeing victims resolve it in six weeks. Now it's closer to six months, eight months, even 12 months. And you've got to remember, you're filing two tax returns. You're filing one federally with the IRS, but you're also filing one at the state level. Either or both may be compromised. And in the case of a state refund, most states don't have a PIN that you can use to protect your filing. And we've seen in the state of California delays of up to 18 months if you've been a victim and trying to resolve it. So the length of time you're going to have to wait and the hoops you're going to have to go through depend on whether or not the thieves filed federal or state and which state they filed in. I think consumers would be really surprised to learn that the process does take that long. What's one thing other than restoring your identity and the length of time it would take? Would a consumer be also surprised to learn about tax refund fraud? I think they'd be surprised to learn how easy it is. Uh, I remember interviewing a notorious identity thief when he was in prison, and he said America was built for identity theft. He was actually filing fraudulent tax returns and submitting them to the IRS while he was in prison. Uh, He would buy a social security number from a prisoner for a couple hundred bucks, file a tax return for a couple of thousand dollars. But even he would say, for some reason, the IRS 
would not be alerted or alarmed if they saw 500 tax refunds going to the same address. They couldn't figure out that a two-bedroom home in a sketchy neighborhood managed to have 500 stellar tax consumers filing their returns. So it's a major crime because it's a remarkably simple crime to commit. And even though the IRS has enhanced their security and they have put greater checks in place, it's still a very easy crime to commit and probably will be for years to come because the IRS simply doesn't have the resources to stop it. Wow. So you had mentioned earlier some of the resources out there that people can use to go place a fraud alert and things like this. Uh, What are some other resources that people should know about that can help them take control of their privacy every day? I think... Because privacy is such a broad issue and it covers so many things and not necessarily exactly the same as security, one of the top resources for identity theft would be the Federal Trade Communications website. They just relaunched their website and revamped it this month. It's an excellent resource. It allows victims to both walk through the process of responding to an identity theft, but also just learn the basics of avoiding it. And it does cover privacy as well. There's an excellent resource uh, in California, the Identity Theft Resource Center. They're a, a nonprofit that have been doing this for years and have counseled tens of thousands of victims. And there are lots of free tools out there. I'm a big fan of freebie. If you want to protect one type of identity theft or specifically data theft that leads to identity theft, be careful what you're sharing online. There are lots of great free tools that will mask your identity, protect your privacy, monitor your social media accounts protect your computer so that it's not pilfered of personal information. So use all the great free tools and browser extensions that are available to you that really do work, don't need any technical skills or training, and probably most important of all, they work automatically so you don't have to think about it. Thanks, Neil. You shared a lot of great information with us today. Is there anything else you'd like to share? I think we're way beyond the point of vigilance when it comes to protecting it against identity theft and other frauds. We really need to start moving into the realms of paranoia. This is one of those areas where paranoia is actually a good thing. You need to be paranoid about what kind of emails and phone calls you respond to, even if they claim to be from the IRS. You have to be paranoid about what kind of websites you visit. You really have to have you guard up all the time because there are so many scams out there. So for once, paranoia might actually save you, bud. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for those parting thoughts and for your time today, Neil. This was a very informative conversation. Always happy to help. For those of you that want to learn more about the Identity Theft Council, visit www.identitytheftcouncil.org. In our next episode, we're going to be talking about creating a culture of cybersecurity at work with Michael Kaiser, the executive director of the National Cybersecurity Alliance. We hope you will join us. Michael will share his top security tips that all businesses should have in place. And like what you hear, let us know by leaving a review on iTunes or share your thoughts on our social channels at Firewall Chats on Twitter and Firewall Chats on Facebook. You can also visit CSID.com for more great content, tips, and advice.